Rumors Netter, just talking to teachers. Talking to teachers about academic research and evidence-based practice with continuing professional development at PNA1977 on Twitter. Nailers Natter, just talking to teachers. Nailers Natter the book, ideas and advice from the collective wisdom of teachers. Nailers Natter brings together a wealth of advice from the most influential voices in education today. In this exciting one-of-a-kind book, Phil Naylor revisits the very best interviews from three years of education podcasting, drawing on the advice and opinions from some of the world's most innovative educators. Available now for pre-order from Amazon and out on July 7th, 2022. Research by the Seaside is back. Yep, you heard it right. Research Ed Blackpool returns for its third year, following enormously successful conferences in 2018 and 2019. Now, as you'll know, both of those conferences sold out pretty quickly, so book early to avoid disappointment. As always, expect for an exciting day packed full of research-informed practice from speakers from both primary and secondary backgrounds. The date for your diary, Saturday 9th of July 2022, and the location is South Shore Academy, St Anne's Road, Blackpool. That's Research at Blackpool 2022. Hope to see you there. Talking to teachers about educational books, why we love them and how we use them in our classrooms. With guest authors, publishers, podcasters and of course, teachers. Welcome, we're joined today by Phil Naylor from Naylor Natters and we're going to be nattering about teaching over a cup of tea. That's right, it's a crossover pod episode. Phil, as we are welcome to Naylor Natters, welcome to Tea and Teaching. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Great to be here and an honour to be asked. Thank you so much. Well, it's an honour to have you on, Phil, because, uh, I mean, you've been I mean, podcasting since before we even thought about it. I mean, you were one of the very, very early uh, teachers to start podcasting. So for people who haven't listened to your podcast or, or don't know much about you, could you give us a little background about yourself and how you got into uh, producing your own teaching podcast? Well, thanks, Mike. Thanks for the intro there. Um, <laughs> so that's basically that's saying, so Phil, you've been doing it a long time. You're quite old, aren't you? So probably it's time that you uh, you kind of hung up the microphone and passed it on to these uh, hot young things that are doing education podcasting now. Um, in terms of what am I doing, in terms of a day job, so I, I'm a deputy head in a school in Blackpool. Um, so hopefully I'm representative of the teaching profession because I, I, I still do teach. Um, obviously, you know, as deputy heads, we don't teach quite as much as other people, as I am reminded. Um, on a daily basis, but at least I do do a bit. So in terms of where did the idea for the podcast come around? I mean, it's interesting whenever it gets described, and obviously you did it in the intro and everybody does, it's always Nailers Natters, and it never was supposed to be Nailers Natters. It was only ever supposed to be one. So I mean, the story that I tell in the book in the introduction, uh, he says with his first shameless plug to book selling, um, is about kind of the genesis of the podcast was to generate interest for a research ed conference that we had originally planned, um, 2019 Research Ed Blackpool. And it was like, right, we need a vehicle to try and get people who are involved in education, research, evidence, CPD, get them to come all the way up to Blackpool to have a conference, you know, for research ed. And I think we'd done about three or four months of trying to get through everyone's contact list and we'd sold about 20 tickets. And we're looking at each other around the table thinking, we're going to have to try and do something here generate a little bit of interest, get a little bit of a spark. So he said, well, what, what about we'll do it? We'll do a Blackpool Research School podcast. 
And, you know, the immortal line um, from the other two gentlemen, who I could probably name and then cut later if they're offended by this, but you're in the book, gents, so you're going to have to face up to it at some point. Stephen Tierney and Simon Cox both said to me, he said, well, yeah, but if we do it and it's not very good, then this is going to damage the brand, isn't it? So we can't possibly put a podcast out that's called the Blackpool Research School Podcast in case, like, you know, the powers that be at the EF will say, no, you're going to ruin our reputation. So, you know, I stuck my head above the parapet and I said, right, go on, I'll go for it. I'll give it a go, but we'll do it once and I'll come up with the uh, lovely title of Naylor's Natter, to which, as you know, you can imagine, I was roundly mocked um, in the in the staff room and more widely, especially when the first jingle came out, which we might um, touch on later on. So it was kind of by accident, really. It was just to try and get a bit of interest in a, a research ed event. And, you know, full circle three years later, I'm still doing it. And we have got another research ed event coming up as well. I think that's a really nice way to kind of introduce what we're going to be chatting about today really which is kind of taking ownership of your own um pd something maybe i've decided to call self-created pd and way i was thinking about that now uh phil is like um you've written a book excellent plug i thought it was really smooth how you brought that in you should be really proud of yourself for that was excellent but what why have you chosen to write that book because you haven't just as as you said with the podcast like maybe there was an initial aim for it so like Take us through that kind of thinking and process of like, it's time to write a book. Well, you're spot on, Arthur. I mean, this is the thing. I listen to your you guys a lot and I love the approach that you've got to doing it. And you do talk a lot about, you know, if this is useful for your own CPD, then by other people listening to your podcast, as lots and lots of people do, it's great CPD for them as well, isn't it? So, I mean, in terms of, I started sitting down at some point after a couple of years of doing it. And, you, you know, it's a lot of work. You guys know, you know, we're sat here at, 8.30, 8.45 on a Tuesday in the holidays, there's a lot of work goes into, you know, sourcing the guests, talking to the guests, reading the books. And I always do, you know, basically focus on people's books or blogs, whatever it is, you know, reading that through, doing people the courtesy of, of producing questions. There's a lot, a lot of work in it. And I, I sat back after a bit and I just thought, do you know what? It's busy, especially during the years that I've done the podcast have been the, the, the years of partial closure and everything else that's gone on. So it was a bit like, well, I've done it for a, quite a couple of years you know, can I keep this up for such a long time? I thought, and I did have a bit of a wobble, you know, last year, I used to do it every single week. I mean, that was a heck of a work schedule, you know, to produce an episode every single week, dropped it on a Monday every week for two years. But I started looking back through the catalogue you know, in one of those reflective moments. And I thought, this is unbelievable who I've spoken to. And I think I was doing, I was in a staff CPD. I think it was in another school. And they were talking about, you know, and uh, we're focusing on uncommon schools and we're looking at the work of Doug Lamov. And I'm sitting there going, spoken to him you know we were saying ed hirsch we're talking about knowledge rich curriculum it is spoken to him thomas gusky we're talking about cpd evaluated cpd spoken to him alex quigley's written another book about you know reading or writing or whatever it is and alex is superb spoken to him and i thought hang on a minute you know i've done 160 episodes here for professional development and i started thinking about right there must be some kind of themes and big picture stuff coming through these podcasts. You know, there's been some kind of crossover between the different sections. And I did, I put a, a kind of proposal together and I said, right, to Bloomsbury, you know, would you consider this? And Hannah Marston, who's the editor at the time at Bloomsbury, was really enthusiastic and said, you know, right, let's have a look at it. Now, it did start as a massive book originally. It was going to be all the key sections. I was going to look at curriculum, I was going to look at behavior, professional development, leadership, pastoral, basically everything about school. And I just thought there's probably a little bit too much to cover there 
Plus, you know, there's always a sweetener for book two if it goes well. So hold a little bit back. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's got to actually sell any to start with. Will be a... You're plugging the second book before <laughs> the first book's even out. But big fan of that. Well played. I know. I've just got to, got to get it in somewhere. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of right. Well, let's organize people's you know discussions that we've had over that time and use it as a resource for myself for when I'm planning CPD because – I've moved um, in school now, uh, as they're calling it, to the dark side. I don't think it's to the dark side. I've gone from behavior and pastoral into teaching and learning and uh, curriculum. So it's like, right, well, if we've got this big resource, I could kind of pull it together for our staff, for me. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I might be able to pull it back into a book. So we've gone with those kind of key, broad headlines, uh, chapter-wise. So we've looked at uh, importance of CPD, which is what we're going to be talking about. And I'm going to be talking about how you're going to carry the torch forward, gents, uh, once was old time as a retired at the end of the year, but we'll get to that later on. I'm going to talk about uh, behavior, talk about leadership, talk about pastoral, and then talk about what kind of conversations I think need to be had possibly in education moving forward. So they were the broad topics and, you know, meticulously, not me, I have to say, but meticulously we've looked through every single transcript because obviously there's all the copyright and everything else you've got to be considering and looked at like key quotes that people have said about those key areas that they haven't necessarily published in their own work. So he said, you know, all those people I've spoken to have had candid hour-long conversations with me about particular topics that I've been able to say, right, take that out. How does that fit? How does that agree with somebody else? How does that possibly supplement what somebody else has said? Pull it all together and then give some kind of top tips um, for teachers that, that want to buy the book moving forward, but also link to QR codes for the podcasts and then, you know, actionable things that hopefully you can take away using your school, zap the podcast and go straight to conversations with Tom Bennett about behavior, you know, Douglamov about routines, Hirsch about knowledge-rich curriculum, whatever it might be, you can zap the QR code and get straight into there. So it's hopefully, as you were talking about before, a CPD or the start of a CPD library or a book club that hopefully teachers can use. That's amazing, Phil. I mean, it's the reason we started doing our pod was, to talk to each other about education. We'd worked in the same school as each other. Um, we'd, we'd gone our separate ways and, and we were actually at the start of the pod, we were on opposite sides of the world. And the, the opportunity for us was just, let's have a conversation about teaching and everything that is involved in education. And we'll just put it out there and we'll just see if people want to listen to us to jabber on, then so be it. And then eventually it kind of evolved into us having guests on. Um, but one thing that I really picked up on there was that that focus you've got on constantly giving back to other people. And it's very similar to, I guess, a lot of teachers' careers when they start moving into senior leadership or middle leadership, where it's, they start off focusing on how can I be a better teacher? What can I learn? What can I learn? Um, and how can I develop? And then it kind of morphs into actually, how can I make the people around me and everyone else in education better? Um, have you found that that's, that's mirrored in your kind of podcasting career alongside your teaching career? Yeah, definitely, Mike. And I mean, that's what I love about yours. You know, I feel like you know, those conversations that you have in the staff room, you know, when you had the chance to be in staff rooms, obviously we're back in staff rooms now, hopefully, and actually getting a chance to have a really, you know, good conversation with colleagues in departments, in teams about the teaching. And that's what, and obviously your relationship, you two as well really helps to kind of bring that together. And I can see a lot of people listening to that thinking, yeah, these are the kind of conversations that I can then go and instigate, you know, on break duty. I mean, the number of conversations you have on break duty, lunch duty, in the, you know, the staff room, in the dining room, those kind of things. And that's what's great about what kind of things you're doing. And in terms of, you know, 
I, I was dead honest when I started doing the research school. You know, what I knew about educational research, you could write on the back of a postage stamp. It's one of those cliches. You know, I knew precious little about it. And I thought, well, how am I going to manage to get up to speed? I can just, you know, pretend I know, bluff it out, you know, be leading a CPD on metacognition. And I mean, let's be right. Does anybody know what metacognition is anyway? But, you know, have a conversation about with lots of teachers about, right, metacognition and try and pretend and bluff and say, oh, in my 22s experience, I know this, this and the other. I thought, no, I'm going to have to be honest here. I don't know what I don't know. And I'm going to find a way of hopefully sourcing the best that has been thought and said to use that kind of Arnold quote about teaching and learning. I'll find it from the source. And if I can find it from the source and benefits me, then hopefully whoever it is that's listening to me as well will get that chance to hopefully, you know, take that back into their school and start their journey on finding out about all these brilliant people. And, you know, I don't have a co-host. Um, you know, I've had various different people do the podcasts. I think that was really important as well to get some different perspectives because I know which kind of, you know, people I might necessarily gravitate towards for whatever reason, you know, whether it's just, you know, um, because they were the same subject, you know, perhaps they'd be working on the same kind of things in terms of pastoral that I was working on at the time. But when you bring a different presenter in or you bring somebody into co-host, as we have done a few times, you get another perspective there as well, don't you? And that's what's great about yours in terms of the way that you two bounce off each other, even when you were in uh, completely different places. It's because we're best friends forever, right, Mike? Yeah, well, that's what the cards you send me keep saying. It's it's very disturbing. Phil, there's a couple of things that I think I'm re-picking out from what you're saying. And one of them is reflecting upon the CPD that you're doing. So when we're talking about people kind of doing their own self-created PD, I think it's really important to do what you're doing. And me and Mike, we've spoke about this with other people is taking a moment to reflect upon the learning that you have done. It's so easy, isn't it, to kind of, well, I read an educational book, therefore I know all that stuff. Oh, I did some CPD courses, therefore I know all that stuff. Oh, I listened to a podcast, therefore I'm an expert on that. Whereas sometimes what's really important, it's kind of the um, the vibe I'm getting you with your book, is you've taken some time to sit back and reflect on those conversations and how they've improved you as a teacher. And then sharing those kind of reflections with everyone was that something you really want to think about when you were writing a book or was it something you found you were doing it's just re really kind of reflecting on the things you have learned yeah i think so Arthur. i mean i don't think and i'm, I'm obviously being a bit self-deprecating by saying this but i don't think you know that they say there's a book in everybody i'm not convinced there was in terms of right okay i might have 22 years of disparate experiences across multiple different schools doing different roles but you know have i got enough specialism enough knowledge in a particular area to, you know, share my wisdom with, you know, the, the world of education. I'm not sure I have necessarily, but what I have got is an open mind, you know, a reflective nature, hopefully, as, as you said there, and also that willingness to kind of listen to what other people have got to say. So what I'm putting forward in the book might have a few, and this is another, you know, of my classic um, sort of marketing tools. I've got Nailers Nuggets at the end of every topic, which is, um, you know, taking the best things and saying, well, these might be actionable for you in your school. But essentially the book is what the guests have said. I'm bringing the guests wisdom. So, you know, if you go out and buy lots of education books and I do a lot, you know, I buy a lot of education books because I love the, the quality of education books that are out there, but you can kind of synthesize and pull together six, seven, eight, whatever it'll be per topic conversations that I've had with those key people and then kind of weave it into hopefully useful things that you can take back there. So yeah, the book isn't like Phil Naylor says this, therefore you should do it. And anyone who works with me would know that that's not what I approach I would take anyway. It's 
Phil Neal has had conversations with all of these different experts in these different areas, and he's hopefully trying to make it useful for you in your context, in your school, with your students, with your teachers, that you might be able to take that away and use. And plus, you know, it's a busy profession. We're on the move all the time. You might be able to dip in and out of the book and say, right, well, I want some interesting information about pastoral matters, right? Phil's had a conversation with Amy Forrester, who's brilliant on all those kind of things. Here's a few key points that she said about heads of year and how you might want to, you know, deploy heads of year. Or if you're being ahead of year, here's a few things you need to know. Set the QR, go to the conversation, listen to it. Obviously not on the tea break, because that's sacrosanct for you two. But listen to it on the commute, on the way in, or the dog walk, or whatever it is. We've all got our own things on that. That's perhaps something we can discuss before. You know, Darren Leslie's Nick My Dog Walk line. So he's taking everybody on the dog walk now. So I can't do that. I think I've got the commute and you've got the tea break, haven't you? So they can use it on all of those different uh, ideas and then hopefully use it in their classroom as well. We get yeah, teased, Phil, because our tea and teaching was meant to be originally as <laughs> like over a cup of tea. And then we've realized some of our episodes are long enough for kind of like a teapot. And but tea I was going to say, I was going to say last week, we're, we're on 50, doesn't work. 53 minutes last week. I mean, we could have had a night out, never mind a tea break, you know. But I love the idea of Naylor's Nuggets. Mike, what would you name if you wrote a book at the end of a chapter of Mike Harrowell's chapter? What would they be called? Oh, it's tough. I've got such a bad surname, haven't I, with Harrowell. I think, Phil, you've really you've really uh, drilled into the use of your surname there. Um, come back to me on that one, Arthur. I'm going to let you have a little think, and then we'll, hopefully we can come up with something later on in the pod. But um, well, My surname works perfectly. More. There's loads we can do with that, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Harrowell's just useless. It's just the worst surname ever, uh, especially for being a teacher where it's used all of the time. Phil, I just want to pick up on something, and I don't want you to give any spoilers away from the book because, I mean, we're obviously all going to go and order it straight away. Um, and if you ruin for it, na- ruin for us now, then you're going to miss out on those royalties from us later. Um, but you talked about there's a, a chapter in there where you talk about everything that, or like the things that you feel are wrong in education or need addressing in education. Do you feel that professional development needs addressing? Because we're, we're sitting here talking about how we've set up these pods uh, and, and people are writing these books in order to share good professional development. Do you think there's something that can be done more, a kind of national level from a, a government point of view in terms of? training up teachers across the the whole profession getting in experts like Doug Lamov and and people like that yeah absolutely right so scrolls to chapter and I'm happy to give away a few spoilers um and and for the size of the royalty checks I I don't think it really matters I don't think any I don't think any of us are retiring off education books I'm just putting it out there um you know there's a lot of people have written them but I don't think anybody's uh you know, going to be giving up the day job anytime soon. And again, it's, it's that kind of hopefully altruistic motive that people who are writing them is sharing best practice. I genuinely think that is the case. You know, you look at the number of people that are writing books and I love to see books from practicing teachers. And yes, the experts who don't work in education, I'm not one of those who says, well, you, you know, you have to be working in school to have a valid opinion. Obviously you don't, you know, there's a room for experts and that is one of the key themes around CPD, that expert input. But I think most people who are writing books who are teachers, like I said, are, are doing it to hopefully enhance CPD and improve teaching. So, I mean, that is recommendation one. I was talking about teaching being reprofessionalized. I'm not suggesting it's not professional at the moment, but it's that kind of idea that I spoke to Michael Young about. And this was a brilliant one. I mean, if, you've, if you're aware of the work of Professor Michael Young, which obviously through the research schools I was, you know, in terms of his kind of seminal works that he's done. 
And I, honestly, when I was talking to him, I've never had so much reverence speaking to somebody. I was really, really nervous. And this was in the early days of the podcast. And anyone who listens to it, it's a shame, really, because I didn't know anything about podcasting. I mean, you can't believe, I mean, obviously, you know, your real episodes and your, your episodes are great. They sound great, Mike. So well done on the uh, the editing front there. It all sounds great. Mine were abysmal. I mean, mine were played from a, a phone, a mobile phone, propped up into an iPad, recorded on voice note, and then stuck straight into Anchor, just released. That was it. So I'm talking to Michael Young, Professor Michael Young, of, you know, Knowledge in the Future School and all of the other books that he's written. And I'm on, like, speakerphone, essentially, and he's on his landline. And you can't hear hardly any of the conversations. But the one of the bits you could hear is when I made a point, I say, no, well, Michael was talking about this idea of CPD as you're talking about then. And I said, oh, yeah, things like the Chartered College, the ECF, um, things like MPQs, they're, you know, they're almost re-professionalizing teaching. You said, oh, yes, great point. Absolutely agree. I thought, right, that's it. I'm having that for a quote. You know, I agree, Professor Michael Young. I thought that's brilliant. So, you know, that that kind of thing about re-professionalizing with all of the different professional qualifications that are coming through and the specificity of those. I mean, I'm leading on MPQ LBC, for example, and it's brilliant. So evidence informed talking, you know, about Lamov is mentioned quite a lot. Tom Bennett is mentioned quite a lot. And to the poor people that are on my um, MPQ, you can imagine, can't you? You know, it's like, Oh, here he goes again. Have you spoken to them by any chance? Yes. Yes. Anyway. So that's the first recommendation that we talk about is, you know, reprofessionalizing subject knowledge enhancement, professional qualifications, these grassroots movements like Research Ed, for example, will hopefully help to attract the best qualified graduates who are keen to kind of have a career path. I, mean, I spoke to Harry Hudson about that quite recently about, you know, having career paths through teaching to hopefully improve recruitment and retention. Um, I've got other ideas, but I'm just conscious that I'm just waffling on now. So just, just cut right across me, lads, when I'm getting to the point where it's getting to be, uh, you know, a lecture. I was just trying to uh, make my way through all the names you're dropping, Phil. They're just the list of names <laughs> yeah. are absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Mike, I've got a question for you. You've been teaching since I was literally in school as a student, not a teacher. And I'm just wondering the way you've seen kind of professional development or self-professional development away from the school kind of change in your years because of like Twitter, Facebook, social media, podcasts, that's all change. What's what's been the biggest change you've seen in your many, many, many years in the classroom? Right, can we get this straight straight away? Twitter was a thing when I went into teaching, Arthur. That's not been released during my time in teaching. Um, I'm I'm fresher to the classroom than I think you're you're leading people to believe there. But um, I would say the biggest shift in the 15 years I'll put that in there. 15 years I've been teaching. Um, is CPD used to be, for me, it was like two inset days in September, a follow-up inset in maybe around Easter, sometimes it was January, and you'd all sit in that hall and you'd get a guest in and they'd talk about something that was on the school's strategic plan and you'd sit there, you'd do some activities, you'd nod along, off you go, and you were expecting to go and implement it and then it was ticked off on a box on your performance management that you'd done something like that. And what I'm seeing now and the people we've talked to on our, our podcast and the people I've listened to on other people's podcasts like Phil's um, is talking about people taking ownership over it. And we, we've talked about this before, Arthur, that CPD is something you do. It's not something that's done to you. And I've definitely felt a shift in that approach over the last 15 years. And, and I think 
a willingness for people to take responsibility for their their own professional development. It's one of the reasons I asked Phil that question about whether it's something we need to address across the wider profession. And I think it came out of frustration of people seeing things like it started off with teach meets. I remember going to teach meets as an NQT as in second, third year of teaching uh, and picking up all these great ideas and thinking, well, why didn't I know this before? Where, where was I supposed to find this out? And, you know, that movement's kind of morphed into, into these big research ed conferences, which um, I, I don't know about you, Arthur, but I haven't been lucky enough to, to attend one yet. Um, I haven't recently moved back to the UK, but there seems to be a lot more push from teachers for higher quality professional development that is ongoing throughout not just the year, but someone's career as well. Um, that's how it's felt to me. Now, Phil, you've been in teaching a couple of years longer than me, and I know you've definitely been involved in obviously organising research ed and stuff. Is that what you've seen from your perspective? Yeah, 100% agree, Mike. So, I mean, I can beat that in terms of, I know Arthur's winding you up about uh, social media and Twitter and all this. You know, I'm from the generation of uh, the, the OHT was the uh, the cutting edge of uh, modern technology. And I did have one of the first laptops, which people just looked at me like, what on earth are you going to do with that? Um, as they were writing in different coloured chalk. But anyway, before we start with a, a trip down memory lane, someone plays the Horvis music in the background. Um, yes, absolutely, about things like that. So we, we're, we're dead pleased that we host Research at Blackpool. You know, these kind of teacher-led grassroots movements are talking about what's actually going on in classrooms. And you're right about CPD and the CPD cycle, and it's still a battle that, that, that I sometimes discuss it even at, at school now. So we are about to enter the last half term of school. Now, anything I guarantee... If anyone's talking about CPD or planning, every conversation is around, in September, we will do this. In September, we will look at that. Next year's going to be the year we're going to do that. Why can't you do it now? Why can't you make something happen now? Why can't you talk about professional, you know, some of those professional development sessions that you've talked about? Is this six weeks now sort of like lying fallow, like a Glastonbury field? You know, we can't possibly touch the last half term. We have to relaunch. It's the law in education. You must do something new every September. Well, why does it have to be in September? And why do you always have to do something new? You know, it might be something that you're already doing that you can tweak, you can, you know, re-emphasize, whatever it might be. It's like every year we bring somebody in, we talk, right, this is the year we're going to do this. We hammer it until October half term. It starts to fail off a little bit. We kind of revisit a bit after Christmas. Then we say, oh, no, we've got about that. And off we go again and do something next year. So all of those kind of things that you're talking about, about the CPD that you're doing, you know, it's regular it's often it's revisited it's from teachers it's a teacher's voice in there and it's more likely to hopefully get engagement from more of the staff actually hopefully working the same direction so these conferences you know they really do enthuse people i mean you know we, we've sold 650 tickets twice for two research ed events on a saturday in blackpool and for people that aren't aware of these events they can't believe it you're getting teachers to pay I mean, obviously, you know, the money doesn't necessarily come to the schools. It's to help support everything in the infrastructure. But people are paying to come watch them in their own time. That's how much people want CPD. So if we could provide that within school time, then surely we get a lot more buying. I'm buzzing for a Saturday night in Blackpool, personally, Phil. Well, you're on the guest um, list. You're on the guest list. So, you know, just, you know, get yourself up there. Saturday. That, that, that's obviously why we've done it in summer as well, because we hope that people would come up um, and experience the uh, Blackpool nightlife. I mean, we're we're at the Strokes the night before, so you know, feel free. We're at Lytham Festival and the Strokes, and we with borderline tears for fears, which is really more of our generation um, on a Saturday night as well. So yeah, feel free, make a weekend of it. I think there's a few tickets still left, so get yourself there. But not that you need tickets. You two can just come on in, don't worry. 
Oh, thank you very much. Very kind. Uh, the, the sad thing there is, Phil, that we've got to explain to Arthur who the strokes are, not just Tears for Fears. <laughs> Mate, I'm not having you talk to me about music. Oh, I saw the script once. They were amazing. I don't go to any other music. Mike, you press a button here. I'm annoyed. I'm going to take a breath. Well, well, well uh, I mean, that's what you could bring in, obviously. You know, when I've retired, you, you can bring in the music section, can't you? I mean, it will cost you a lot of money, gents, on the music license front. Let me tell you, now, whether it's worth it or not, I don't know, but people's musical tastes don't half tell you a lot about people. And we were into conversations, and I tell you, the best one for that was Doug Lamov. It was just, my boy, that was the best part of the interview. Doug Lamov tells you his Teach Like a Champion playlist and goes through the five songs that he listens to while he was writing Teach Like a Champion 3.0. That's the kind of content that people are there for. You know, you could talk about the teaching, but what does Doug Lamov listen to when he's writing? That's what people want to know. My mind writing the script, Arthur. Definitely the script for Doug Lamov, I reckon. Um, I think yeah. we will take a little break there, Arthur, let you calm down a little bit and collect yourself. Um, so, Phil, we all know how this works. Go and get yourself a biscuit. Uh, and after the break, we'll come back and speak to Phil a little bit more about his podcast, professional development, and his upcoming book. Nailers, Natter, just talking to teachers. Welcome back to Nattering About Teaching with us from Teen Teaching and Phil Nailer from Nailer Natters. Phil, we've been talking about kind of professional development, and I'm interested in yours and Mike's opinion. Uh, yes, Mike, you're including this, so get yourself ready. Make sure you're listening like you don't do on every pod. We've heard you call, being caught out many times. Um, I haven't held like a a senior teacher and learning role in a school, helping other people in the school um, kind of develop their their teaching, their teaching craft, their teaching art. And I was wondering, I'll go to you first, Phil. If someone comes to you in a senior position in school and says, like, I really enjoy what's going on in school, but I want to push myself further kind of outside of the school environment. I want to do some of this self-created professional development. Where should they go to bit b they've already listened to nail and that they've already bought the book so where would you direct them to as kind of they want to get into learning by themselves but they don't necessarily know how to start that process what would kind of be your top tip for that person well i think the thing that's really helped me over the years is engagement in the social media i mean this is why we sat here tonight isn't it in the first place you know um we have never met, have we? I've not met most of the people that I've spoken to. Obviously, I've stared at them down a barrel of a Zoom or had a conversation with them like this. So in terms of getting into that kind of professional learning network on, whether it's Twitter, now again, you know, Mike will be our guide, won't he, on TikTok. I'm sure I'm sure he'll be able to tell us all about uh, TikTok and, and Instagram for teachers, etc. Um, So we'll come to that in a minute. But in terms of the social media aspect, you, you just get an opportunity there to have conversations with people that, you wouldn't necessarily get in school. And most teachers, I mean, you know, it's quite interesting. We had a, a rather high profile education visitor who came to school uh, quite recently. And, you know, I, I think this person's one of the, the, the greatest uh, people in education that you can ever possibly imagine. But they were giving off lots, lots of names like I've been doing today, dropping all these names. And obviously you two are familiar with them, but the vast majority of, you know, the senior leadership team and the middle leaders were going, I'm really no idea who you're talking about. So actually, a lot of teachers, whilst engaged in professional development, whether it's those uh, courses we talked about before, whether it's some, you know some stuff they're doing in departments in school, lots of people don't engage more widely with social media, with edgy Twitter, whatever it might be. So that would be a good place to start because the networks and the connections and the people that you meet there can take you off in all sorts of different avenues, can't they? You know, you see, you obviously mentioned about 
you know, courses, conferences, teach meets. It can be you know, these Twitter spaces that people are having conversations. And, you know, I love those. Even on Saturday morning, I go into Saturday Ed Chat and it's just a nice kind of rhythm to the week, getting to chat to, to other teachers in those forums. So there's so many different ways you can meet people without ever actually having to, to kind of put your cup of tea and your biscuit down, as we've just had. Um, you know, you can actually do that online, can't you? So that'd be a good place to start, I think. But also there's the old uh, kind of, I was going to say old-fashioned, but the, the, the kind of cross-school collaborations, the cross-MAC collaborations that you can have now working in these larger organisations where you can go and visit other schools. And I think that's something that a lot of people have, have kind of got through Twitter, isn't it? You know, they go off and visit Sam Strickland um, in his school. They go off and visit um, other schools as well, don't they? So I think networks, social media, visiting schools, and also then kind of going off on whichever angles that might take you. But, you know, in terms of you two, then I'll flip it back onto you two a little bit before Mike tells us about uh, TikTok and Instagram. You know, what kind of made you want to start the podcast in the first place in terms of, did you feel as if you weren't necessarily getting the CPD that you require, which obviously you've talked about before, and was a podcast a way to kind of bring that stuff together? Or is it just a case of, right, well, you know, we've seen that what we're getting necessarily isn't for us and we want to try to find it ourselves. Is, is that kind of your ethos for starting your podcast? Um, I don't know, Arthur. I mean, going back, reflecting on that, I actually can't remember the, the, why we decided to turn it into a podcast because originally that the idea was it was just us two talking about education. Um, and I don't know who would want to listen to just us two. And then I'm trying to think back after. I think our first ever guest was Kate Jones. Um, and we wanted to talk to Kate Jones because neither of us had a really strong grip on retrieval practice. We were like, it'd be really cool to get her on and she could kind of teach us uh, what we need to know about retrieval practice. And it just kind of snowballed from there, didn't it, Arthur, in terms of like, right, let's get these more knowledgeable people on and let's just get them to kind of teach us and we'll record it and we'll just pop it out there. Is that right, Arthur? Have I, have I misremembered history? Misremembered. What a politician you'll make, Mike. Um, I think I think reflecting upon it, originally we said it was just going to be me and you kind of chatting about teaching because we used to do it all the time when we worked together in the staff room, um, on our long runs in the Thai jungle. We originally came up with a name to you in teaching, Mike, if you remember in Khao Yai when we were away for the weekend. Um, when a certain person got the worst sunburn I've ever seen in my life. Amy Cutmore, congratulations on that. Um, and then when we started recording the pods, as you said, we kind of brought in Kate Jones, I think, and then we brought in um, an old colleague and friend of mine, Danielle Finley, and we realised by having someone else in the circle on the Zoom, we were challenging ourselves to maybe explain or question our thoughts on education and it goes back to what Phil you said this earlier you said you were seeking other views and I think Mike we realized very early on that if you bring someone else into that conversation what you're doing is getting alternative viewpoints and that's the best CPD what you don't want is to go I know this much about x and go to a CPD session and they tell you exactly what you already know in a way that you've already thought about it and you leave going well, I was absolutely right. I don't need to change anything I'm doing. So I think that's why the pod kind of has developed, Phil, into us talking to other people. And 
what I've been amazed by and reproached by is we've had some we've had some amazing people on the pod, and some of those people people we knew about Mike. We we, we we've had names on who we were aware of. We followed them on Twitter. We've we've known their stuff. There's people who we bought their books before we've even spoken to them. We've had their books on our bookshelf. But then we're talking to people who we've just seen put something on Twitter that was really interesting, or someone who was recommended by someone else, and they're the conversations for me that have proved so surprisingly in a fantastic way because I've learned so much. I can think like off the top of my head, Mike, the one that comes to mind is the chat with Jenny Bowers because we kind of knew Jenny Bowers vaguely on Twitter from a couple of things. And then the pod just exploded in this way and took us on this conversation that we still speak about regularly on and off air. Um, so I think that's to answer your question in a very long-winded way from both of us, Phil, like, we wanted to keep talking about teaching and then we realised if we put someone else in on that conversation, we're going to learn loads and we've also got people who are more interested in listening to than just us two. I don't know if that's something, I don't know if you've ever done a pod, just just Phil Naylor, Naylor Natters to himself. Uh, I've done one, I think, where I read out an article because nobody else had published it. So I thought, well, hey, I've got a vehicle for doing this, which is obviously something that hopefully I'm, gonna, I'm getting into more um, in terms of that now. Right, now, just for, for so obviously we're, we're putting this out, aren't we, on both podcasts. So we're putting this out on Tea and Teaching and we're putting this out on Nailers Natter. So I'm going to flip it around, Mike, flip it around, Arthur. Now at the kind of the halfway point, we're changing ends. Nailers Natter, just talking to teachers. Changing ends in the uh, football parlance here, and I'm going to flip it round. So I'm going to start asking some questions here of you. So, like I've made pretty clear, um, obviously we've done this for three years. I'm now moving into hopefully some writing and kind of more absorbing CPD rather than being the person that's kind of you know out there doing it. And I'm handing on the baton uh, to next generation. But what I want the question I'm going to ask really is, where do you see this going next? Because obviously you're aware and you've spoken to a lot of people. There are a lot of education podcasts out there at the minute. They're great. I listen to to nearly all of them all the time. But where do you think that this particular form of CPD is going to go next? Because people have flirted with Twitter spaces. I've seen people put things on, like I said, TikTok. I've seen YouTube videos. You know, where do we see this going? Do we, is it going to be just lots and lots of people doing their own thing? Or is it going to be kind of pulled together in some way that this is maybe a way that teachers can access CPD, you know, via, you know, YouTube videos, podcasts and and like schools using that as their resource so i've waffled on the question there so where are you taking podcasting next we've talked about this a lot um and very recently actually me and arthur had a a very long chat about kind of we're here accidentally almost we we didn't expect and i'm not saying out the podcast is massive it's not um you know we've we've got some very loyal listeners but it's definitely not on the size of some other education podcasts out there, but the more listeners we get, the more engagement we get from the people who listen to it, um, the more you realize that there's a community feel to this as well. Um, and we've spoke about how, how do you harness that feeling of community um, that could be really, really beneficial to everyone, including us. Um, so we've spoke about, you know, the opportunity of, you know, there's there's however many people listen to each episode. They do that on their commute. They do that on their tea break. They do that on a, a long walk or a run. Um, but what do they do with it then? Do they 
have that opportunity to then discuss that. And you touched on earlier, Phil, is that the power of community, the power of working with other people and talking to other people. Um, and I would say, you know, if, if you Arthur said about getting started on your own kind of self-led CPD, and my advice would always be don't do it on your own. You know, do it in your own time, but but have someone that you're going to talk to about what you've read or what you've listened to or what you've watched and get them to challenge your opinion and you challenge their opinion. And that will be the best uh, best professional development you, you can have. Um, so for me, I, I think there's, there's a lot more we can do in terms of bringing our listeners together and giving them a space where we can discuss things that we've discussed on the pod, but also like you just said there about live events, about how can we get people online in live events, um, actually challenging each other's views, actually sharing CPD, but all from the comfort of your own home. So, you know, you don't have, if transport's an issue, if getting time away uh, from the family's an issue, you can spend an hour sat at your, your computer and engage in some real high quality live CPD um, with experts from around the UK and the world as well. Um, I don't know if you've got anything to add there, Arthur. I'm sure you're the ideas man. Um, I very much just nod and go along with, with the ideas that you come up with. Well, on that note, Mike, I was going to give you some credit. Um, one thing with our dynamic feel, like I quite often message Mike being like, I've got this great idea, let's do this. And Mike goes, well, Arthur, let's remember why we started the pod. Like, let's remember its core ideas. And its core was for us to just keep learning. So in kind of a, a big picture, blue sky thinking way, I think if we keep learning, Phil, then the podcast plays a role it plays a role for us and it plays a role for the community that is slowly but strongly developing around tea and teaching and mike you spoke about the feeling of community i'd, I'd switch one of those words and i change it to the power of community and i'd love to find a way where everyone who listens to firstly just tea and teaching if we can harness that that power list being in a room together whether that's live or virtue listening to the same thing thinking about the same thing in different ways is an incredibly powerful thing to do. Um, it's great listening to a podcast. It's even better when you share that podcast and chat about it. Mike, we've done this. We've spoke about, we share podcasts all the time. We recommend podcasts all the time. And it's so much fun when you meet up and you're like, oh, did you listen to it? Brilliant. Let's chat about it. And I think that's where um, we would like to go with Tia Teaching. So really kind of harnessing that power of the community because what me and Mike try to do and we probably fail almost every day but what we try and do is try and stay true to ourselves mike we released a pod recently or a pod's coming out soon about talking about you being an authentic leader and i think if we're authentic to who we are as a podcast then the podcast will be what it is in a really positive sense so there's some podcasts out there with people who are who are doing it a different way um and that's fantastic like i'll i'll give a shout out to like Become an Educated with Darren, I think is a fantastic podcast. Um, it's not teen teaching, but I think that's its strength. Nayla Natters has been around for, it's got so much good stuff on there. It's not teen teaching and we're not nailing that. So we've got to stay true to who we are. If you ask me about the big picture, feel about where I think kind of podcasting in education is going, I think there's going to be 
as always, there'll be this boom where loads of stuff is coming out. And then we'll find a way where we can kind of come together a bit more. And I think that's one of the reasons we do these kind of episodes with other podcasters is we do it to share those stories amongst more people so we can all kind of improve that community, harness its greater power. Um, have we answered your question there, Phil? I feel like we've just kind of had a bit of reflection, Mike, because we didn't talk about this before we went on air, which, as always, TN Teaching is the way we do things. Yes, yeah, so we, we, we normally say to our guests it's very informal. In in reality, it's potentially a shambles um, <laughs> due to us under-preparing for things like that, especially getting asked questions, Phil. It's, um, we're, we're much better at asking the questions and then sitting there silently nodding along while someone far more intelligent than us tells us. But I, I can guarantee one thing that definitely won't be happening with our podcast is we will not be on TikTok. Um, Arthur will swear by this that I am useless on social media. I can't stand the platform, any platform, really. I mean, Twitter's great, and I, I try and get as much as I can off of there, but oh, it, it, I, I can't do social media. So unless Arthur really pushes it to TikTok, well, I don't think we're going that way. There's just there's just so much there, isn't there? There's so much there. So I mean, I I admire the way that you're talking about the people that listen to your podcast. And I mean, you know, if you're going to start looking at numbers necessarily, and you know, I, I really try not to. You know, you obviously when you upload an episode, you have a casual glance at that, but then you start thinking, well, and genuinely, this is something that that Paul Dix said when we were doing some, doing some shows on Teacher Hub Radio. You're doing it for one listener. You're talking to one listener. And you actually notice how my language has changed on the podcast that I've talked about. You know, listener. I'm talking to you and that is essentially what I'm doing because, you know, the, the community of people that listen to that and we have a lot of people that, that regularly listen to Nailers Natter, you know, will interact with you and you will get messages from those people and they're the people that have proofread the book. They're the people that have been kind enough to put words at the beginning of the book. They're the people that I'll speak to at research ed conferences. You know, you, you feel as if you know the people that are the people that listen to your podcast and it's brilliant to have that. It's absolutely brilliant to have that. And I think you're right in terms of style of podcasts. And it's, it's interesting how things have kind of evolved. And you're right. You know, I love Darren's and Darren's is very much from the viewpoint of somebody who is enthusiastic, obsessed about teaching and learning, who's clearly a great classroom teacher, who's absorbing all this influence from other people. And he's, he's kind of almost like Craig Barton, if you listen to the, the original. And I know you were kind of to say I've been around since, you know, the dawn of time with this, but I nicked my whole thing from Craig Barton. I mean, Craig Barton's uh, podcast is where we, both me and Sam Cox, have been pinched everything from. But he would go toe-to-toe with the person he was speaking to. And I remember some classic episodes at the beginning, like Craig Barton and David Dido having a conversation about, you know, knowledge-rich education, whatever it might have been. And they were going, you know, against each other almost in some aspects. And it was brilliant. And that was their style. And Darren's a little bit more like that, isn't he, in terms of he'll offer his opinions on how he's implemented that in his classroom and he'll come back to you and say, what about this? Try that. Mine very much started from the viewpoint of, and I know you said about yours and I love yours. You, you say, it, you know, it's uh, not planned, prepared and it's like shambles. It's not at all. It's realistic. And that's what mine would be like if I hadn't spent two hours writing down questions because I'm, you know, I'm so scared. It's that imposter syndrome thing of being so vastly out of my depth speaking to these people. I mean, I remember, I know I've mentioned it a few times and they have to pick up all the names I've dropped on the floor after this. But, you know, going into people's um, offices of these people that I've spoken to and being beamed into these, you know, cavernous offices in America. And I'm sat in child's two bedroom, you know, with uh, all the dirty washing and whatever it is in the background, you know, on a microphone plugged into, you know, 
their computer. So, you know, it's it's very much a result of the fact that I was scared. Well, I might not know what I'm talking about, so I better do some prep. And what you'll notice from the follow-up is I never really offer any opinions. You know, I've tried to just keep it to being right. Okay, let the listener make up their own mind. What do you think about that conversation? And you'll see, and this is a recommendation, this is something I was going to talk to, to you two about in a question in a minute, is one of my recommendations moving forward is about meeting in the middle. Because I've got this, this theory and this idea that, you know, Twitter is brilliant, but it can be quite divisive, can't it? With these different groups of ideologies, if you want to a better word, that, you know, kind of clash against each other. And I feel as if real teachers are pretty much somewhere in between that. I don't see too many people in the staff room that are hugely you know, in one particular group, whether it's about behavior, whether it's about a certain type of curriculum, whether it's about, um, you know, certain teaching and learning styles. I don't see that playing in the staff room. I see people mostly kind of in the middle of those discussions. So, you know, where do you feel that the people that you speak to kind of sit with all of this education movement in terms of, you know, research informed, evidence-based, knowledge rich? Do you feel as if, people do have those really strongly held views or are most teachers more pragmatic and kind of, you know, for what a better phrase, somewhere in the middle. I think most teachers will be what works best will ultimately win. I mean, if we just kind of Occam razor it back to its rate essence, the reason people are doing these self-created PDs is they want to be better educators. Mm -hmm. So if you're hearing a viewpoint that is different to yours, but you can see why it's going to make you a better educator, a better teacher in the classroom, then I think you're going to be open to those ideas. Um, if I think back to when I was a teacher in the classroom, I think something you, you have to do is you have to keep learning. Because if you stop learning, you forget what it's like to be the learner. You're then only the expert in your room. And we know the problem where that comes from. I think you're absolutely right about Twitter. Is it's kind of it's either or. You are either A is either your favourite letter of the alphabet or it's Z. Whereas most people are like it's probably something in the middle. Mm. Um, and I think that's the great power of podcasting. It's something we try to do. We've made a real, real effort. And it's really difficult to try and speak to different people on different topics who come from different contexts. And it's so hard to do because especially with Twitter, you kind of go down that rabbit hole, don't you speak to two people and then they recommend and then before you know it, you're only speaking to one type of person. So it's one thing we really try to do is we try and challenge ourselves by talking to people who maybe we don't know as well or aren't kind of in our sphere of influence. Mike, do you think that's something we we, we do well or something we need to keep working on? I think I'm trying not to make it sound like a cliche, but we've only just really got started. Um, I feel that Although we've been going for over a year now and we've had, oh, I don't know, Arthur, what we what we on? Maybe 35, 36 different guests? Yeah, high 30s. I, I, I don't feel like we've really explored every avenue in education, not by a long way. And I don't feel like we've explored contrasting opinions on the same topic yet. Um, but that's something, yeah, we're definitely trying to do because – what this shouldn't be is people shouldn't be listening to this and saying, Mike and Arthur and their guests say, this is the way it should be done. So I will go and do it like that tomorrow. 
that's the solution because it's definitely not. What it is, is a, it's a conversation of us learning. And I probably did us a little bit of a disservice earlier after by saying, you know, potentially it's a shambles at time. What I mean by that is that we've, we do have questions and we do fire questions kind of to each other a day before we record our episodes, but we don't kind of over script those questions. And we, we have a few kind of questions that we're really interested in. And the rest of it is just, Ask, asking questions on a purely selfish basis of I want to know that because I want to be better at what I do tomorrow um, and these people we get on have such fantastic backgrounds in the topics they talk about and even if their opinions and their thoughts on education topics don't agree with ours I really like challenging my own opinion and I know Arthur does as well um, and I really like it makes me think about why do I have that thought? And we've had so much of this after, haven't we, where people say, why do you do this in education? And we both say, because someone in our training told us that that's what we should do in education. And, you know, for both of us, that was, I want to say over a decade ago, or maybe I'm doing you a disservice in terms of how young you are, Arthur, but, you know, 15 years ago, someone told me that this is what differentiation should look like. And for 15 years, I've been doing differentiation like that. Actually, if someone comes on and tells me everything I know about differentiation is wrong, then I should listen to that. But I should also contextualize that with the experience I have in the classroom and what I know works for me as well. So listen to us, but don't take what we're saying as gospel. Formulate it in terms of your experience as a teacher as well. We don't even take what we say as gospel, Mike. So like, I really hope the listeners don't do that as well. I think one thing you mentioned, Phil, was like, you'll hear us quite often say, especially me, I'll be like, ah, there's someone who's written in a question who wants to know what they should do tomorrow to do with questioning. And that question is normally always me and Mike have gone, do you know what I'd really like to know? I'd like to know what I can do tomorrow about questioning. Um, so we, we try and approach each um, pod with not what answers do we want the listeners to hear, but what questions do we want to ask? And you do it brilliantly. You do it absolutely brilliantly. I mean, I always put myself in Mike's position just just uh, for reference whenever I listen back to this. And I think that's what you, you bring to your listeners. I think that you they can project themselves into your place asking those people those questions and actually wanting the answers to reflect on their practice. And like you said, to take into their classroom the next day. Definitely. And you, you're absolutely right about the kind of the open approach you've taken to all the different people that you've spoken to. I mean, I loved last week's. I mean, that's just absolutely brilliant in terms of, you know, for me, in terms of senior leadership, to have that chance to listen to, you know, head teachers talking about all the things that have happened over the last couple of years. It was just absolutely brilliant. And I'll take that back and we'll use that with SLT and we'll have a listen to that and a discussion around those points because it's easier. And this is where I was kind of coming to. It's easier to have conversations around SLT when you kind of take it away from your opinion and you go, oh, well, here's somebody else who's in a similar context because you don't get to hear it very much because of the busyness of everyday school. Right, I'm listening to podcast about this, right, and take that in. And you write about the opinions as well. I mean, you know, I've, I've got a behavior chapter that references Paul Dix and Tom Bennett, the two highest listened to episodes that we've got. And again, I said, I'm not obsessed with figures, but it just comes up on your feed. You must have seen it when it comes up on yours. Your top episodes come up there and see it. You know, it's Paul Dix, Tom Bennett. And you think, well, you know, they are quite similar, actually. Although to go on Twitter, you wouldn't necessarily know that they're saying a lot of the same things. You know, we've had Guy Claxton talking about curriculum and then you've had Michael Young talking about curriculum. 
you know, potentially cross over, but obviously mostly quite different opinions on things. But I've been like you've been, sit there and kind of take the best that they can get from that. And how can I apply that to my to my context? Do you know what I can think about for you two, by the way, in terms of a way forward? Have you watched, and we can cut this bit if you want later on, have you seen, um, what's it called? Diary of a CEO. Do you know that podcast? Do you know, are you familiar with that Mike's one? a big fan. Oh, I love it. I knew you would be Mike. You see, this is why I project myself to be Mike every time I listen to this show. Absolutely right. So do you see how he's done it as a, a live in the, well, palatial boardroom, you know, with his huel on the table. Um, but he's also released it as a podcast. I can imagine people would want to see you two either end of a table, if it was logistically possible. I know it hasn't always been. The guest and a conversation around whatever it is that they're talking about. That could be a CPD session right there. This is what it's crying out for. Now, I've, I mean, I'm not even on camera now. I mean, I've got a face for radio, gents. There's not a chance anybody wants to see me on YouTube. I mean, you know, especially not in the morning. It's quite a scary prospect. But I think this is something that you could move forward in terms of, right, let's have a look at a, a live podcast, microphones end of the table, guest in there, talking about whatever it is that they're talking about, you know, get some people to come along and watch, put these on. I tell you that this could be the future of podcasting. You know, grassroots CPD, recorded, released, available to everybody. And if it does catch on, uh, it, now that it's out there, that's copyright. So I'm sure that I can harvest some of the ticket price. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. He's already asking for his 10%, Mike. <laughs> I mean, it will definitely get cut out of the podcast, that bit. So there's no evidence of that. <laughs> I think if we bring it around full circle, chaps, like... um Because I don't want to sound like to the, the listeners listening that we're just talking about... um how amazing Mike Harrowell is and how Phil Naylor bases his entire life on Mike Harrowell. Phil's now going to listen to the script for the rest of this evening. But I think on, no, no, that, that's the bit, Arthur, we have to really do have to cut that bit. I mean, I might be many, it might be many things, but I have, uh, apart from, I did say to you at the beginning that I went to watch Queen last night, which is the guilty pleasure um, from growing up in the eighties. But my musical taste is, is not in question. You know, I have got an actual record player and two huge speakers in the office at work. You know, my record player right now. Oh, I think we, ha- what do we have before? We've- I think we had uh, Tim Impala, which I know is not a great shout, but that's what we were Same listening life. to. Oh, okay. So there we go. So it's not a bad best shout. We're on, we're on slow rush. Tim Impala is currently spinning on Mike the deck. So. Mike won't know Tim Impala, so we'll move on. Um, if we bring it around full circle chaps and we talk about this podcast in particular, I think what we're trying to show to people or show to people, get people to listen to and think about is how you can take your own ownership of your PD and we're not saying go and start a podcast we're not saying go and start book doing these grand things but there's little things you can do each and every day each and every week each and every term to really improve yourself as an educator and I think you have heard us all say again and again reflecting thinking back on your views that you've had as Mike was saying the views that he had as an early trainee and how that's changed and thinking about where you kind of want to go and then finding that information. And I think that's something really powerful for people who are coming into teaching now. There's so much information that you can go and find. So be refocused. Where do you need to work on? What do you want to learn? And then go find that stuff. And if you don't know where it is, ask someone. 100%. 100%. And, you know, and I wish I'd had that. When I started off, I mean, you know, that's the, the opening chapter of the book. He talked about professional development and it's exactly as you alluded to before. You know, it was a CPD session at the beginning of the year. And let, let's be frank, and I know I'm remembering this through the reverse of Royal Stinted Spectacles, but we didn't even talk about teaching or professional development while we were teaching. 
you know, the, the conversation in the staff room was, you know, what are you doing at the weekend? Where are you going for your holidays? And, you know, I'm obviously I'm hugely generalizing, but there wasn't a great deal of emphasis around discussing teaching. A lot of teaching was done with a closed door and a scheme of work that potentially you've been working through for the past 20 years and just kind of get on with it, you know, and you might get occasionally the local authority uh, education advisor would come with a clipboard and tell you how to tighten your learning objectives um, and then go away again for a bit. But there wasn't that kind of buzz around developing your own teaching. There certainly wasn't the, the kind of perceived need for it either. So there's so much stuff out there and so many opportunities to kind of this. Do you know what? In terms of, obviously I am becoming a teaching and learning lead. This is how I would use these kind of conversations. You know, I've seen loads of people do it. I think Jade Pierce does it really well. You know, about creating that evidence-informed school, newsletters, slow drip of information that's coming in, you know, podcasts, signposts to books, signposts to conferences, go along, you know, but, but kind of tailor, there's enough out there now to be able to tailor it on an individual basis, a faculty department basis, a leadership basis. There's so much stuff out there, but you can create your own kind of way through the absolute, you know, plethora of stuff that's out there, can't you? Yeah, you were talking about listeners early on, top episode, Jay Pierce, number two episode, also Jade Pierce. So definitely go away and listen to those episodes. Phil, it's been brilliant talking to you. It's been a great time to reflect. And Mike, it's been interesting having the questions thrown back at us for once. Just for kind of, before we round up, Phil, I was wondering, like you mentioned off air what's happening with the podcast. Um, like where what's happening to you going forward? Right. Well, so before we go into that, another I do love a shameless plug. Uh, as you know, Arthur, so I try and get a shameless plug in whenever I can. So Jade Pierce just confirmed for Research at Blackpool. So a late addition to the program um, for Research at Blackpool. So that is going to be brilliant because I know a lot of people saw Jade at Research at Warrington. I've had the pleasure of having her on the podcast as well. Superb. And her book's coming out as well. I'm not on commission, people, for all these books, but, you know, that's going to be brilliant as well. So what, what's going to come up for me moving forward is hopefully this has dipped my toe into to some writing, which I had been doing before in terms of some articles and things like that. Um, and I genuinely think it's time to kind of pass that baton on you know, obviously, I hopefully what I've done and that catalogue will stay there as long as, you know, iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is, doesn't kick it off there. It'll still be available and accessible and hopefully in some way useful. Um, I'm doing lots of bits and pieces of writing. So I've done some pieces for Homework Magazine recently, uh, Royal Society of Chemistry, stuff for Ross, uh, Teacher Toolkit. So thanks, Ross, for asking me to do a lot of stuff on there. And just hopefully putting book together, book number two. I can give you an exclusive on a working title if I'm allowed. But again, this might have to be cut. No, go for it. Give us all. We want all the sneak peeks. Right. So book Harrowell's two. Harold's handout. Uh, go. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. Harold's heroes. That could be it, couldn't it? Um, you know, the, 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 that's, that, that's the title of your book, isn't it? And the, the people I've spoken to, the education heroes. Um, no, there's just a working title, which I've shamelessly stolen off Tom Bennett, as I was telling him last week. So he may be expecting some credit for this, but it's called Some Schools Are Harder Than Others and Why You Should Work In Them. Oh, oh, I like it. So it's I, pretty, I remember getting told at, at university, a lecturer said to me, you don't get paid any more for working in a tough school, so don't touch them with a barge pole. And actually, the first school I ever, the first school I ever worked in was a, t- a really tough school, and it was one of the most rewarding jobs I've ever had. Exactly, and that's the kind of point. So it's hopefully going to be a set of conversations with people. And I mean, this might be the hard sell, which is why I probably have to cut this part. Because, I mean, if you're going to have a conversation, and I've got a few lined up with people who you know, are working in schools in, in challenging circumstances. I think that's the euphemism, isn't it, that we can use. Um, are probably going to want a, a working title revision 
that, that you know we work in a school that's harder than others but i just thought that's quite a good title and also for impeccable musical taste people of a certain age will be singing along to that um to a to kind of a smiths-esque you know some schools are harder than others um i can see that's not landed so i'll just move on from many smiths I'm references. Never, a big, never a big fan <laughs> of the smiths but i can see the jingle working quite well yeah. um Gents, just before we round it up, Mike, the big question you've been thinking on it, you promised the listeners, um, the end of the book that we're definitely not going to write ever and you're not going to write, but the end of a chapter, what would Mike's bit be called? I think you'd go, like Phil just said there, Harrowell's Heroes would be really good. I've spoke to so-and-so and here's a real like, little takeaway from them or Harrowell's Handouts. Um, in the In the interest of us being a... A duet is that the right way of saying it Arthur uh what are you going to call yours at the end of your chapter of the book that we're definitely not writing there's so many it could be um uh what's what's what can you do more of one more uh, thing one more thing uh yeah. that wasn't half bad um I, I could keep going this is this is really where the money is i think <laughs> I actually once I'll finish on a story like it took when I was working in my school in a challenging uh, situation um the the students after a, after a while worked out my name could sound like Harfer so I got a lot of so what's half of four I got a lot of what's half of four um which I thought was quite clever and also quite annoying in absolutely equal measures um but that's why we do the job isn't it um Phil absolutely love chatting with you so much to think about there can't wait to see the book um and can't wait to keep going back through the uh the old pods of nail and natters um it's been awesome having you on our pod and it's been awesome being on your pod thanks arthur thanks mike and like i said hopefully you can both join us for uh research at blackpool 9th of july there's the plug everybody um enjoy the rest of the evening team teaching listeners will be back in a moment Snatter, just talking to teachers. Talking to teachers about academic research and evidence-based practice with continuing professional development at PNA1977 on Twitter. Nailer Snatter, just talking to teachers. 